If you remember from your catechism classes, in the Old Testament, we have the image of the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark was a symbol of the presence of God. It was this box that contained the manna, the rod of Aaron that allowed the opening of the Red Sea, and then the tablets of the law. And it symbolized for the Israelites the presence of God among them. And as those who read the reading of the first reading of the vigil, the Ark of the Covenant traveled through the desert. So it was with the um, Israelites in the moment of the desert. And at some point when they reached the promised land, they lose the Ark. The Philistines steal the Ark in a war, and then King David recovers the Ark, and he brings back the Ark to Jerusalem. And then his son Solomon will build the temple so that the temple will kind of hold the ark in its place of repose. But when David brings the ark back, he begins to dance. He begins to rejoice. The, the, the ark is returning to its place. And today, in the first reading, we read the opening of the book of Revelation with this amazing line. God's temple in heaven was opened and the ark of his covenant could be seen in the temple. And then it speaks of the woman clothed with the sun. So what John is saying is that Mary is the ark of the new covenant. She's the one that bears the presence of Christ. And what the book of Revelation is saying is that today we celebrate the entrance of the Ark of the Covenant into the temple of heaven, the new Jerusalem, the place of its rest, in a sense. Unlike David, we should also rejoice. And if you want, you can also dance of joy. That joy is so profound. Why? Is the coming of the ark into heaven a moment of joy? What is the joy of the ark entering into heaven? Let me suggest just three things. The first is that God takes the ark, Mary, to himself. The first element of joy, the first element or, of rejoicing is that God loves Mary so much that he takes the ark back to his presence. Newman says when speaking of the assumption, her divine son loved her too much to let her body remain in the grave. Her divine son loved her too much to let her body remain in the grave. What we celebrate today is what we could call either the death or the remission of Mary. We don't exactly know, and the church has never defined how exactly the end of her life was, either if she died in a very peaceful manner or if she just fell into a dormition, what the fathers of the church called the dormition of Mary. We do know that the, the body of Mary did not stay on earth. 
And actually, there's a historical proof of this, that there's no tomb, neither relics of Mary. And this is very important because in the early time of Christianity, the church was very careful of keeping the remains and making relics. We have the relics of Peter, of Paul, and all the early martyrs of the church. But there's no relics of Mary. There's no tomb of Mary. Because her body did not remain. On the contrary, God loved the ark. She loved, he loved her so much that through the force of love, he drew Mary into his holy presence. And moreover, not only God drew Mary, but also her body was glorified. She shares in the first place, she's the first fruits of the resurrection of Jesus. And this is a twofold miracle. The elevation of the body of Mary physically, leaving this earth and the entrance of her bodily and glorified presence into the Trinity. It's an amazing thing. And what moves this is the love of Jesus, the love of her son for his mother. Could you picture that encounter between the glorified Jesus and the glorified, resurrected Mary? Not resurrected, but she never died in a sense, but her glorified body. Both of them encountering each other. So this feast, in a sense, brings joy to us because what happens to Mary will happen in some way to us. Not exactly because Mary was sinless. So we need to go through the process of death and we might need to wait for the final resurrection. But yes, like Mary, in a sense, we are a symbol of the Ark of the Covenant. Like Mary, we are, if we are in the presence, if we are in the state of grace, we are bearers of the divine presence. And God also is drawing us to his presence. God also is drawing us, our small ark, into himself. So this feast in the first place is a call to reorient our lives towards heaven. And remember that also, Jesus is drawing us in a mysterious presence to his holy presence. The second reason for rejoicing as we commemorate the entrance of the ark into the presence of God is that God never leaves his work undone. When he starts something, he finishes. And nothing can stop the plans of God from happening. God's work in Mary started in his, her conception, conceived without sin. But then her whole life was a process of transformation. And today we celebrate the final touch of grace. I don't know if the expression the final stroke is only negative, but if it is only positive, also positive, we can say the assumption and Glorification of Mary into heaven is the final stroke of grace. 
And it reminds us that when Jesus begins something, he will finish it. And today we celebrate that that seed of grace is now fully blooming. And this assumption of Mary or this blooming of Mary or this work of God in her life has one final step. It's not only the assumption, but also the glorification. The fourth mystery of the rosary is the assumption of Mary, but the fifth mystery is the, the, the crowning of Mary. So the feast of the assumption is connected with the feast of the crowning of Mary in glory. I don't know how many of you have been to the grotto here in Portland, this inside the main church, this beautiful dome that depicts the crowning of Mary. And it has the Father, the Son, and the Spirit placing a crown on her head. And at first, when I would pray before that image of the, the, the crowning of Mary, I felt like, this seems too much. Aren't we Catholics like exalting her too much? Maybe those who come from a Protestant background might agree. But then I thought, no, that's the dynamic of grace. And Mary is an icon of the church, and Mary is an anticipation of what happened to all those who are humble and faithful to Jesus. God loves his creations, his sons and daughters so much that the final step of his work of redemption is making us heirs, queens and kings, as they say in Narnia. God wants to exalt his creation. The glory of God is man fully alive, said Irenaeus. And that's what we celebrate today. The glory of God is the fullness of life in Mary. So this feast is also a reminder of <clears throat> the work of <coughs> the work of God in us, how He wants to glorify us. <coughs> Finally, we celebrate a very simple fact. Our mother is in heaven praying for us. She's taken into heaven and she's crowned as queen. As Mary shared in the mission of her son during her life, she now shared in the mission of her son from heaven. It's the mystery of God wanting us to share in his victory. God doesn't need us. And God, in a sense, did not need the assistance of Mary. But he loves us so much, and he loves her so much, that she, he makes her part of the mission of redemption during her time on earth, but also during her time in heaven. So the Feast of the Assumption also is a feast to remember the intercession and the protection of our mother for each one of us. I have heard so many stories of conversion that come through the intercession of Mary. 
Last week, someone shared with me that basically she came back to faith through Mary. She was away from the church, experiencing a great sadness and not even going to Mass. And she was driving and she felt this overwhelming feeling and desire to pray the rosary out of nowhere. So she said that she pulled over her car, she looked in her phone how to pray the rosary, and she started to pray the rosary in her car. And then came back to confession, came back to communion, and now she's back in the heart of Christ. So that's the intercession of Mary. And that's the love of our mother in heaven. She's taken up to heaven, not for her own glory, but to continue and to help her son in the work of redemption. And one of her actions is to pray for you and pray for me. That where she is, one day we might be as well. So the invitation for this week, your homework, is to have some time with your mother. You can pray Marian hymns. You can just speak to Mary, what the saints call a colloquium, a dialogue. Many times we pray the rosary and that's great. But also spending time before an image of Mary and speaking to her, asking for her protection, asking that she may bless you, that she may intercede before her son. And also praying the rosary. That's a great way to grow in our love and our desire for heaven. You know that the rosary is like a chain lifts you up to heaven. When you pray the rosary, you're lifted up to heaven. Or if you like to fish, it's like, like the hook that the fisherman uses and to pull out the fish out of the water. So when you pray, Mary gets you and begins to pull you up to the place where she is.